Section ten of Grotesques and Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Grotesques and Fantasies by Israel Zangwill. An Odd Life. It was the most curious case of croup I had ever attended. Not that there was anything unusual about the symptoms. They were so correct as to be devoid of the slightest interest. Certainly they were not worth while being called up for in the middle of the night. The patient it was that attracted my attention. He was a handsome baby of one year and nine months, by name Willie Streetside, with such an expression of candour and intelligence that I was moved to see him suffer. I sat down by his bedside, took his poor little feverish hand and felt the weak quick pulse and i knew it had not much longer to beat i put the glass of barley and water to his lips and he drank eagerly he seemed to be an orphan in charge of a strange silent serving man apparently the only other occupant of the luxurious and artistically furnished flat i judged downton to be a man of some culture from the latest magazine strewn about the bedroom but i could not help thinking that a female more familiar with infantile ailments might have been more useful apathetic and torpid though i was from eighteen hours continuous activity in a hundred sick rooms my eyes filled with tears and i sat for an instant holding the little hand listening to the poor child's painful breathing and speculating on the mystery of that existence so early recalled all his organs were sound but for this accidental croup i told myself he might have lived till eighty poor willie streetside i murmured for this curious name clung to my memory suddenly the baby turned his blue eyes full on me and said i suppose it's all up doctor i started violently and let go his hand the words were perhaps not altogether beyond the capacity of an infant but the air of manly resignation with which they were uttered was astonishing for more reasons than one i hesitated you need not be afraid to tell me the truth said the baby with a wistful smile i'm not afraid to hear it well well you're pretty bad i stammered ah thank you the child replied gratefully how many hours do you give me the baby's gravity took my breath away he spoke with an old-world courtesy and the ingenuous stateliness of an infant prince it may not be quite hopeless i murmured willie shook his head the pretty wan features distorted by a quaint grimace i'm suppose i'm too young to rally he said quietly and closed his eyes presently he reopened them and added but i should have liked to live to see the irish question settled you would i ejaculated overwhelmed yes he said adding with a whimsical expression in the wee blue eyes you mustn't think i crave for earthly immortality i use settled in a merely rough sense my mother was an irish poetess over whose songs impetuous celts still break their hearts and their heads I gazed speechless at this wonder child pushing the golden locks back from his feverish baby brow as if to assure myself by touching him 
that he was not a phantom ah oh, well he finished it doesn't matter i have had my day and mustn't grumble i scarcely thought when i witnessed the dissolution of the third gladstone government that i should have lived to see him premier a fourth time three doctors told me i was breaking up fast i began to be frightened of this extraordinary infant divining some wizardry behind the candid little face some latter-day mystery of reincarnation esoteric buddhism what not the child perceived my perturbation you are thinking i have packed a good deal into my short life he said with an amused smile and yet some men will make a gladstone bag hold as much as a portmanteau gladstone has done so and why not i in my humble degree true i answered but you cannot begin to pack before you are born you are entirely mistaken replied the baby if you think i have done anything so precocious as that then you must have lived an odd life i said puzzled you have hit it exclaimed the child with a suspicion of eagerness not unmingled with surprise i did not mean to tell anyone but since you are a man of science and i am on the point of death you may as well know you have guessed the truth have i i said more bewildered than ever yes in all these years no one has suspected it it has been carefully kept from outsiders but now it would perhaps be childish folly to be reticent about it it is the truth the plain literal truth i have lived an odd life how did it begin i asked scarce knowing what i said or what i meant you shall know all said willie i must begin before i was born before i could begin packing as you put it his breath came and went painfully overwrought with curiosity as i was i experienced a pang of compunction no no never mind i said you have not the strength to speak much you must not waste what you have it can only cost me a few minutes of life i can spare the time he answered almost peevishly now that he had been strung up to speaking point he seemed to resent my diminished interest i put the glass of barley and water to his lips and forced him to moisten his throat i can spare the time he repeated while an air of grim satisfaction came over the tiny features i have stolen plenty i have outwitted the arch-thief himself i have survived my own death what i gasped have you already died no no he replied fretfully i am only just going to die that is how i have survived my death how dull you are you were going to begin at the beginning i murmured feebly no what is the use of beginning at the beginning this enfant terrible inquired in the same peevish tones i was going to begin before the beginning yes yes i said soothingly patting his golden curls you were going to begin before you were born with my mother he said more gently she did not lead a very happy life it enabled her to hymn the wrongs of her country her childhood was a succession of sorrows her girlhood a mass of misfortunes and when she married the man she loved she found herself deserted by him a few months later it was then that she first conceived the thought that has changed my life it came to her in a moment of tears as she sat over the ashes of her happiness 
from that moment the thought never left her there was a wild look in the baby's eyes i began to suspect him of premature insanity what was this thought i murmured i'm coming to it there came into her head suddenly the refrain of a song she had learnt at school life like a river with constant motion the river of life the stream of life how true it is she mused how much more than mere metaphors these phrases are verily one's life flows on towards the dark ocean of death irresistibly unrestingly willy-nilly whether swift or slow whether long or short whether it flows through pleasant champagne or dreary marshes past romantic castled crags or by bleak quarries what is the use of experience of knowledge of past bits of the route when no two bits are ever really alike when the future course is hidden and is always a panorama of surprises when no life stream knows what awaits it around the corner every time it turns when the scenery of the source avails one nothing in one's restless progress towards the scenery of the mouth what is life but a series of mistakes whose fruit is wisdom maybe but wisdom overripe we do not pluck the fruit till it will no longer serve our appetites nothing repeats itself on the stage of existence always new situations and new follies experientia dotit experience teaches indeed but her lesson is that nothing can be learnt the baby paused and reached out his wasted hand for the glass his pinafore and his tiny shoes on the chest of drawers caught my eye and moistened it with the thought that he would never don them again as my mother brooded upon this bitter truth he resumed when he had refreshed himself and saw how sad an illustration of it was her own life with its sufferings and its mistakes she could not help wishing existence had been ordered otherwise if we had had at least two lives we might profit in the second by the first but she told herself with a sigh this was vain daydreaming then suddenly the thought flashed upon her granting that more than one life was impossible upon this planet why should it not be differently distributed suppose instead of flowing on like a stream one's life progressed like a london street the odd numbers on the one side and the even on the other so that after doing the numbers one three five seven nine eleven etc etc one could return and do the numbers two four six eight ten twelve etc etc without craving from providence more than man's allotted span what if by a slight rearrangement of the years it were possible to extort an infinitely greater degree of happiness from one's lifetime what if it were possible to live the odd years gleaning experience as well as joys and then to return to the even years armed with all the wisdom of one's age what if her child could enjoy this inestimable privilege the thought haunted her she brooded on it day and night and when i was born she drew me eagerly towards her as if to see some mark of promise written on my forehead but a year passed before she dared to think her wish had found fulfilment on the eve of my first birthday she measured and weighed me with intense anxiety though pretending to herself she only wished to keep a register of my growth 
in the morning i was more by a year's inches and pounds i had shot up at a bound into my third year and manifested sudden symptoms of walking and talking she almost fainted with joy when my unexpected teeth bit her finger she could not get my shoes on nor my frock but although my mother had made no preparations for my changed condition she welcomed the trouble i put her to and carefully laid aside my useless garments knowing i should want them again the neighbors noticed nothing they thought me a big boy for my age and extremely precocious when i was in my fifth year i went on the stage as an infant phenomenon my age being attested by my certificate of birth though you will of course see that i was really in my ninth in the next few years i made enough money to gild my mother's few declining years and when i retired temporarily from the boards at the advice of my critics it was of course with the intention of studying and returning to the stage when i was younger and so i advanced to manhood skipping the alternate years i rejoice to say that my mother though she died when i was seventy-three had the satisfaction of knowing what felicity her unselfish aspiration had brought into my life she told me of my strange exemption from the common burden of continuous existence as soon as i had skipped into years of discretion not with me did time pass with that tragic footstep which never returns on itself for me he was not the irrevocable the relentless i regretted my lost youth but it was not with hopeless passionate tears with mutinous yearnings after the impossible it was as one who waves a regretful adieu to a charming girl he will meet again ah but you will not meet her again i said softly no but the feeling was the same of course when i was thirty i did not know i should die before i was two i had no more privilege of prescience than the ordinary mortal but in everything else how enviable was my lot compared to his whom every day is sweeping towards death for whom no vision of renewed youth gleams behind the black hangings oh the glory of growing old without dread with the assurance that age which is ripening you is not ripening you for the gleaner that the years will add wisdom without eternally subtracting the capacity for joy and that every tottering step is bringing you nearer not the grave but the joyous resurrection of your youth and you have experienced that i cried with envious incredulity yes answered the baby solemnly of course i prepared for the great change not that nature did not herself smooth the metamorphosis the loss of teeth the gradual baldness the feeble limbs everything pointed to the proximity of my second childhood i knew that my odd life had not much longer to run that at any moment the transformation might take place and the even numbers begin giving out that i was going to explore the african deserts and accompanied only by my faithful body servant downton i retired to egypt to await the great event having previously ordered baby linen and the various requisites of infantile toilet i had at one time meditated providing myself with parents but ultimately concluded that they would prove too troublesome to manage and that it would be better to trust myself entirely to the management of downton since i had already placed myself in his power by leaving him all my money but what necessity was there for that i inquired 
every necessity he replied gravely do you not see that i had to arrange all my affairs and make my will before being born again because afterwards i should not be of legal age for ten years at first i thought of leaving all my money to myself and passing as my own child but there would have been difficulties i was unmarried and seventy-seven downton could easily pretend his septuagenarian master had died in the african deserts but he could not so easily pitch up a marriage there i had no option therefore but to make downton my heir and i have never had occasion to regret it from the day of my rebirth to this the day of my death as soon as i was born we returned to england and i wrote my obituary and drove to the press association with it downton took it into the office while i waited in fleet street in the hansom i can scarcely hope to convey to you an idea of the intensity and agreeableness of my sensations at this unprecedented epoch the variegated life of fleet street gave me the keenest joy every sight and every sound beautiful or sordid thrilled my nerves to rapture i was interested in everything imagine the delicious freshness of one second year supervening upon the jaded sensibilities of seventy-seven all my wide and varied knowledge of life lay in my soul as before but transfigured over my large experience of men and things was shed a stream of sunshine which irradiated everything with divine light every streak of cynicism faded i had the wisdom of an old man and the heart of a little child i believed in man again and even in woman i shed tears of pure ecstasy and when i heard a female of the lower classes say poor little thing what a shame to leave it crying in a cab i laughed aloud with glee she exclaimed ah now it's laughing my petsy wootsy her conversation saddened me again and i was glad i had not burdened myself with a mother and that i took my milk from a bottle instead of a doting nurse and how exquisite was this same apparently monotonous menu of milk to an epicurean who had ruined his digestion i felt i was recuperating on a vegetarian diet and i rejoiced to think some years must elapse before i would care for champagne or reacquire a taste for full-flavoured manillas perhaps somewhat unreasonably i was proud of my strength of will which had enabled me in one day to abandon tobacco without a pang and seven course dinners without repining i slept a good deal too at this period whereas i had previously been greatly exercised by insomnia but these joys of the senses were nothing to the joys of the intellect an exquisite curiosity played like a sea breeze about my long stagnant soul all my early interests revived worldly propositions i had thought settled showed themselves unstable and volant everything was shaken by the moving spirit of youth theology poetry and even metaphysics became alive all sorts of unpractical questions became suddenly burning i saw in myself the seeds of a great thinker a felicitous congruity of opposite capacities that had never before met in a single man the sobriety of age tempered by the audacity of youth fire and water judgment and inspiration i was revolutionist and reactionist in one i read all the new books and agreed with all the old 
all you tell me only makes the pathos of your premature death more intolerable i said in moved accents you are like keats and chatterton only an early edition an inheritor of unfulfilled renown the little blue eyes smiled wistfully at me not at all said the wee rose lips with a quiver don't you see i have already dodged death evidently if i had taken my second year in its natural order i should have been cut short by croup at the outset apparently i had enough vital energy in me to have lasted till seventy-seven if i could only get over the croup i think one ought to be satisfied with having survived himself by thirty odd years yes if you put it like that the pathos lightens i admitted of course i saw from the first that you were considerably in advance of your age did you assure your life i asked with a sudden thought i did but by an oversight i let the policy be invalidated by my imaginary expedition to the african deserts downton has however taken out a fresh policy for my new life what a baffling complex of probabilities would be added to life assurances if your way of living were to become general i observed downton will probably more than recoup himself for his first loss have you always been a bachelor by the way i asked yes said the baby with a sigh i miss marriage it probably fell in an even year poor child i cried my eyes growing humid again to think too of that beautiful young girl that fond wife waiting for him who would never come that innocent maiden cheated of love and happiness because her appointed husband had not lived in the other alternate series of years to think of this tangled tragedy moved me to fresh tears not a few of which were for the husband who never was nay do not pity me said the baby and his tones were hushed and low and in his heavenly blue eyes i seemed to read the high sorrowful wisdom of the ages for since i have lain here on this bed of sickness with no spectacular world to claim my thoughts with four walls for my horizon and the agony of death in my throat the darker side of my dual existence has been borne in upon me i see the shadow cast by the sunshine of my privilege of double birth i see the curse which is the obverse of the blessing my mother's prayers brought me i see myself dissipating a youth which i knew would recur throwing away a manhood which i knew would come again and sinking into a sensual senility which i knew would pass into an innocent infancy i see myself rejecting the best gifts and the highest duties of today for the illusory felicities and the far-away virtues of the day after tomorrow i see myself passing by love with the reflection that i should be passing again putting off purity with the thought that i should be round that way presently and waving to duty an amicable salute of expect me soon and in this moment of clear vision i see not only my past i realize what my future would be if i lived i see the influx of fresh feeling gradually exhausted overcome ousted and finally replaced by a satiety more horrible than that of the septuagenarian as i came to realize that life for me held no surprises no lures to curiosity that the future was no enchanted realm of mysterious possibilities that the white clouds revealed no seraph shapes 
on the horizon that hope did not stand like a veiled bride with beckoning finger that fairies were not lurking round every corner nor magic palaces waiting to start up at every turn i see life stretching before me like old ground i had been over in my mother's image like a street one side of which i had walked down what could the other offer of fresh of delightful it is so rarely one side differs from the other a church for a public house a grocer's instead of a bookshop conceive the horror of foreknowledge of having no sensations to learn and few new emotions to feel to have moreover the enthusiasm of youth sicklied over with the prescience of senile cynicism and the healthy vigour of manhood made flaccid by anticipations of the dodderings of age i foresee the ever-growing dismay at the leaps and bounds with which my youth was fleeting i see myself instead of profiting by my experience feverishly clutching at every pleasure on my path as a drowning man borne along by a torrent snatches at every scrap of flotsam and jetsam i see manhood arrive only to pass away as an express passes through a petty station full speed for the terminus I see a panic terror close upon me with every hurrying year at the knowledge that my hours were thirty minutes and my months virtually fortnights and that I was leading the fastest life on record add to this the anguish of feeling myself torn from the bosom of the wife I loved and hurried away from the embraces of the children whose careers it would be my solicitude to watch over imagine the agony if I had been cruelly spared to my seventy-eighth year the agony of a condemned criminal who does not know on what day he is to be executed. His voice failed suddenly. He had slightly raised himself on his pillow in his excitement, but now his head fell back, revealing the fatal white patches on the baby throat. I seized his hand quickly to feel his pulse. The little palm lay cold in mine. I started violently and sat up rigidly in my chair the child was dead downton was sobbing at my side as i was writing out the certificate an odd thought came into my head i scribbled what i thought an appropriate epitaph and showed it to downton but he glared at me furiously i hastened home to bed my epitaph ran here lies william willie streetside who led a double life and died in blameless repute at the average age of thirty-nine years and in their death they were not divided end of section ten